0: Hello and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Soraris and this is episode 100. And to celebrate the centennial episode of the show, I am joined by one of my very good friends, the most common recurring guest in this show's history. Brief history, I know. We've only been doing this since September, October of last year. The first episode came out the night the Rangers drafted Alexi Lafreniere, and we've been gone from there. So today, very straightforward we're going to be looking ahead at the second half of the major league baseball season go division by division 10 minutes per each of the divisions there are six divisions in baseball about an hour-long episode today but before I get to the conversation with Chris I do have to remind everyone to help grow the show as baseball season gets ramped up here as we get into the off season for hockey for basketball into the swing of things for both racing series formula One, NASCAR lots of stuff to talk about i will be producing the podcast more consistently now that i've got a good groove i went on my vacation already it's 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 content season folks we are going to be helping make the discourse better from the fans perspective to do that you can follow the show on any of your favorite podcasting platforms spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud stitcher all of the major podcasting platforms the show is available on if you are on Apple podcast you have an added responsibility please 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 go to the show's homepage scroll down to the bottom there are five clear purple stars hit the one furthest to the right that's leaving a five-star review underneath that is a button with purple lettering that says write a review if you are so inclined and you have a minute please leave a few words of encouragement That stuff helps the show chart the more the show charts the more likely other people can find it the bigger we can grow the show the easier it is for me to get better guests i got a few ideas in the works for the next couple of weeks gonna try and iron out some time for a few people i've been trying to nail down for some good conversations about a variety of topics but without further ado i'm gonna get to the conversation with chris baseball season's ramping up and for the first time in a while i don't know what it is i've got genuine excitement for just baseball as a whole Uh, i know it's not the most accurate barometer of excitement but the all-star game viewership went up for the first time in a few years which is encouraging the shohei otani show is very very appealing very easy to sell to the general public who is a casual baseball person might only watch one game a week of their local team that not lunatics like chris and i who watch every single mech game and then we'll watch whatever's on mlb tonight or we'll break out the mlb tv and we'll watch a padres game an a's game just because we want to watch more baseball one of the beautiful things about baseball you get a nice not eight-ish hour block of baseball from 7 to 1 a.m during this time of the year And when it's the only sport on, I know right now we do have basketball because the season started later than usual. But usually by this point in the year, it's baseball's calendar. We're all talking about baseball until football training camp reports in a few weeks. And then football takes back the mantle. But baseball is going to in a decent place right now. There is some genuine excitement. And I'm very happy that Chris is here. So I will see you guys in one second. And a home run here in Tampa, St. Pete. That didn't take long. Oh, man. <laughs> Too sexy for the catwalk. <laughs> oh, one-nothing halos. Gotcha. And a one-one to Fernando. Fernando hits one of the air down the left field line. It is headed towards the pole. It is headed onto the tracks. It's a three-run home run. Tapped on the ground. Alonzo to his left. Flipped to Degrom, and the ball game is over. Jacob DeGrom retires the last 19 batters, a two-hit shutout. One more to win it as Alonzo comes out of the timeout and walks it off. What a finish. Alonzo defends
1: his title.
0: And with that, I welcome on the host of the Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. How are we doing, Chris? Doing pretty good.
1: Um, about halfway point of the baseball season, so... I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back on, but I'm I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing?
0: I'm very excited for the second half of the baseball season. For the first time in a while, I have like a genuine excitement about just baseball as a whole. I feel like all of the young guys who got showcased in the All-Star game did a good job of that. And we've been worried about the health of baseball for a long time. And I still feel at the end, when it all comes down to it, if there are exciting players, people are going to watch. And we've got a lot of really exciting guys, whether you're talking about Otani, Vladdy Jr., Fernando Tatis, Baseball feels like it's kind of figuring out the whole star power factor. Now it's just a matter of making the game itself a little bit better, a little bit smoother.
1: Yeah, no, it's crazy too because, like, you mentioned all the young talent. I feel like we've never had – this much young talent like all at once before like it's really really like they, they the the young the young players are taking over kind of in a sense it's, it's crazy there's so many of them they like they dominated the all-star game obviously um you know pete won the homer derby Vladdy won the won the mvp of the, of the the all-star game like it was show like shohei started the game and let off the game was pretty much like dominated by young players it was crazy
0: it's very exciting, and you are here naturally. We are going to bounce around. We're going to hit all six divisions. We're going to try and keep it to about 10 minutes of division, but we do often get sidetracked on this show because that's the entire point of this. We are, are at the end of the day, baseball fans who really enjoy talking about baseball. So mm-hmm, we'll start mm-hmm. with the American League East. and very simple. I have a straightforward question for you. Are the Red Sox being good just because Alex Cora is back, or, or am I missing something else when I'm looking at their team?
1: I think he certainly has, he certainly had a positive effect. Now I don't, I mean, it's, it's tough to say he isn't the direct reason because like, obviously 2019, he was there. They had a good year. Then last year he gets fired and they were objectively bad. Like they were a bad team. And then he comes back this year. um, And all of a sudden they're, they're great again. So, you know, it's like Alex scores here we're good he's gone we're bad he's he's back again and we're good again so like you you don't think a manager has especially in today's age where like they really don't control a whole lot um like they don't control generally managers don't control the lineup card anymore which is usually like seen as a big thing for managers like you don't think they affect the game this much but you know i remember i heard i heard an interview so cut like, like i forgot who the red Sox player was but he just said like he, he keeps everything so light in the clubhouse that, like, when they're losing, you wouldn't know because he keeps it light. And then when they're winning, you know, it like he just enhances everybody's mood and makes it better. And I'm, I'm sure in, like, in some way or form that has a very positive effect on the players, like just the morale of the players. And, you know, when you have a talented team like the Red Sox do, making sure everybody's happy um, with where they are has got to be a huge help. So I don't know if he's a direct reason. Probably a little bit of luck as well, you know, good players performing how they should not like, you know, JD Martinez was awful last year or not awful, but like a lot of their, their guys that are great this year, weren't so much last year. So a little bit of luck, but also I, I do think he had, he's had a very positive effect on this team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm looking down their lineup and pretty much everybody is playing better than they did last year. I mean, Devers, I think is leading the league in doubles right now at the all-star break. He's had a really strong first half Xander Bogarts playing back up to what we kind of expected him to. Verdugo has come along nicely. One of the nice chips in the Dodger trade for Mookie Betts. And the thing, I mean, we assume the Red Sox were going to have a hard time this year because of their rotation. And they've still managed to win in spite of how bad their rotation is because Avaldi has okay numbers, but aside from him, no one in that rotation is really scaring you. Rodriguez has been pretty bad. Garrett Richards pretty much looks done. Nick Pavetta is passable, but at the it really seems like this team is going to have a defined ceiling because they just can't pitch.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they are planning on getting Chris Sale back at some point, which is yeah. obviously a big X-ray. like he's When he's healthy and when he's on, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. Um, so, you know, you have that coming in. But you really – I mean, you don't know what he's going to give you because he hasn't pitched in a couple of years. You know, he, he, had, he had Tommy John. So it's it's been a while since he's, since he's been back. So you hope he's going to give you – what you know chris sale was giving you for the years before that but you really can't expect that out of him coming off such a long break so i mean they're obviously going to be a team looking solely for pitching at the trade deadline because their offense is the, really you don't need to like you don't want to mess with the offense like maybe added another another like little piece in a bat but you like you don't need to do anything big for offense the the, the pitchers like you said the the really big big spot they have to go to for a uh, for an upgrade
0: so, the Red Sox are in first place. They are up in the division by only a couple games on the Rays. But I feel like we do this song and dance with the Rays every single year where they kind of win in spite of their roster. And no one in that lineup is playing particularly well right now. I know every few weeks we keep talking about this, you, I, and a few of our other friends. And we just we don't understand where it comes from. Because even the on-base percentages aren't particularly good for this Rays team. I, I don't understand how they've managed to be so competitive this year with such ugly paper stats.
1: Yeah. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like it's, it's like you said, none of, none of the hitters are really doing that good. I mean, I mean, Brandon Lau's leading the team in home runs at 21, but he's also hitting 208, you know, yeah. like he's not giving you a whole lot outside of home runs. Like Meadows leads the team in RBIs at 58, which is a good number. But then second place you go down the Lowe at 48 and like, that's a, that's a good number, but like, for a team, you know, like you said, for, for a team that's been as good as the Rays, you know, they're, they're what, 16 games over five they They're a game and a half back of maybe like one of the most competitive divisions in baseball. They're obviously a very good baseball team. And, you know, of course, they made the World Series last year. So it really, they, there is no, I guess, explaining exactly how this lineup works. I guess it's just very, very good situational hitting, you know, like the, the Mets and the Yankees, they get guys on base. They just struggle driving them home. I guess the Rays they struggle to get guys on base but when they do get guys on base they're actually able to bring those guys home and they're able to hit when it matters you know just getting getting enough out of the offense to win because the pitching the pitching is very good I mean their bullpen's phenomenal and the starters you know obviously losing glass and that was big but they're, 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 you know their pitchers are still okay
0: I was reading something yesterday about what teams could look to add at the trade deadline. And in the raise column, the person wrote Wander Franco is the Rays' deadline acquisition because you're <laughs> going to assume he's going to play a big role for them here down the stretch. I, I know they got to figure out he's kind of, since that first game where he hit the home run to tie the game against the Red Sox, he's kind of had a hard time. He's hitting below 200. His on-base percentage is only 255, not particularly great, but if they can get him going to your point about the line i not performing particularly well you get him going you assume lau will hit a little better in the second half you get randy rosarena still playing pretty well Kiermeyer is still the names here we know the names a lot of these guys are pretty solid names and you add someone of franco's potential to that mix and really quickly you can see the rays being pretty competitive here and they could give the red Sox a run for their money if boston's pitching doesn't hold up yeah. I mean,
1: that's, that's some Pond level thinking. Um, I mean, it makes sense for a small market team, but yeah, like a top prospect coming up is your trade deadline acquisition yeah. for your offense. It's like, like if, if the Wilpons are still owning the Mets, no Noah Syndergaard would have been their trade deadline acquisition. Like Syndergaard coming that, that would have been billed as their ad- deadline acquisition Syndergaard coming back from, from Tommy John or Carlos Carrasco. They probably wouldn't even gotten Carlos Carrasco if the Wilpons are still owning the team, but, um, but you know, I mean that that's how the rays operate and obviously it works for them. You know, it didn't work for the World Ponds. It, it obviously does work for the Rays though. And you know, I, I'm sure they'll add somebody. They they always they always make these little moves, you know, that kind of go under the radar when, you know, when when you first look at it, you don't really pay much attention. But you know, sometimes they boom, sometimes sometimes it's it's a bust, but they make they make low low risk moves, so yeah. you know if it does bust again, you're not really losing out. Like they they they're not gonna trade any big prospects. You know they're not gonna trade they're not gonna trade like they're not gonna trade Franco. They're not gonna trade Luis Patino. Like they're not gonna trade anybody big, but they'll probably make some kind of move on the offense, some kind of some kind of piece to sub- supplement the rest of the lineup. But again, you know it's not gonna be anything big. They're gonna rely on just what got them here, and you know hope that the rest of these guys start to hit better. Because like you said these like a lot of these guys, like they're not performing this year, but they're a lot better. Like Austin Meadows is better than what he's hitting. Randy Arena you know, we're obviously not going to, you know, he's obviously not what he was in the postseason last year because yeah. he turned into Babe Ruth, but he's also, I think a little bit better than what he's playing as of right now. And then same with Brandon Lau, like he's never been a 200 hitter in any of his other three years in, in the majors, So he's going to get a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you can't really fault their, their process because it obviously works.
0: Speaking of process. I think the yankees are maybe the most glaring paper versus process team we've seen maybe ever of every single on player on this roster looks pretty good and you think in a vacuum they would perform pretty well but for whatever reason the yankees have just they're sitting in third place and there was legitimate conjecture recently was two weeks ago should the yankees sell at the deadline it's not easy to chalk it up to one thing because it's a number of things. It's situational hitting, it's pitchers in the rotation behind Cole. As of late, it's been the bullpen. But I think the big question for the Yankees here is you're at you're a moves. There is no straightforward, oh, we have prospect A, we can turn him into arm or bat B. What do we do here? I don't know if we've ever seen a team fail to live up to expectations like this. I mean, when we did the preseason episode of this show, you and I both said it's the Yankees American league to lose and they might not even make the playoffs this year. So number one, do we think they can get competitive in the second half or do we think this is kind of just the Titanic sinking and Boone will be the sacrificial lamb at the end of the season. And number two, can you think of any other team that's ever been this bad compared to what they are on paper?
1: Um, well, first I, I do think they can get better. Cause like you said, this lineup is talented. Like it is. Um, the only person hitting on this team right now really is Aaron judge. Like we've seen, we've seen spurts of Giancarlo Stanton. Um, where, you know, he, he goes on a hot streak and his numbers for the season are, are pretty decent to look at. Um, but you know, like, like I said, sometimes, sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's not so great. He also hurts them a lot because he is exclusively a DH. Um, and at some points, especially when, when the team is riddled with injuries as it is right now, or has it has been this season, you kind of need, you can't really have a player, especially a player you're paying, you know, $27 million a year only hitting like you need him nine innings out of the game, not only three or four at bats. Um, but I mean, I, the, the lineup's great. They need to get something out of Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres yeah. has three home runs this season. Three home runs. In 77 games, he has three home runs. That is like that was in 2019, he'd play the Orioles in Baltimore and he'd get four home runs in a series against against Baltimore. Like he was killing them. And then now in 77 games in the first half of the 2021 season, he has three home runs. Like that is I, I do not know what happened to Glaber Torres. Um, they need to get something out of him. Gary Sanchez has been on and off. Um, you know, and like to, for your second point, like I really don't know if there's a team that has failed to meet expectations up to this point like this, because like you said, beginning of the year, we said like, we don't know if anybody's going to be able to beat like the, the White Sox were maybe the only team that we thought that was going to stand its chance. Like we thought it was going to be a Chicago Yankees uh alcs and like if chicago faltered at some point in the postseason like if they if they you know they they choked a series to like oakland or to minnesota or something funny we say minnesota because they're they they, i mean you you could mention them because they don't have as high expectations as the yankees but at least the yankees are three games over 500 minnesota's 11 but back to the yankees you know like you said, this was their American league to lose. Like they had the American league in their hands. They were the top dogs. And, you know, as long as they didn't really mess up, it was, that was going to be the way it was the whole season. And they really messed up. I don't know what's going wrong for them. The line just hasn't hit. Um, I do. I do think Aaron Boone's part of the problem. Um, you know, like going back to the Alex Coral point, you do want a manager that keeps a light in the clubhouse. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. If he does enough to hold players accountable, um, you know, Boone probably should be gone. I mean, he probably should be gone pretty soon. I don't know if they make, because like, he's kind of like a, a, a Yankee legend in a sense. Um, so I don't, I don't, I think they, they might have enough respect for him to just let him ride it out the rest of the season. But unless they make a miraculous comeback and they're able to sneak into a wild card spot or, you know, or somehow win this division this year, I don't think there's any chance Aaron Boone returns as Yankees manager next year.
0: So, we'll wrap up quickly here with the last two teams in the American League East. The Blue Jays are very fun. They're fun to watch. They don't have mm-hmm. enough pitching. We knew that coming into this year. And the Orioles are Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini. That, that's pretty much where the Orioles are at. The Orioles are a few years away, if not more than a few years away. Aside from the Blue Jays just kind of coming into the year acknowledging we're going to have to hit our way into the playoffs, anything you want to get in on the Blue Jays?
1: Um, not really. No. I mean, like you said, everything that we thought about this team coming into the year has been kind of what it is. Like the offense has been great. I mean, I don't think any of us knew Vladdy was going to be this great. Like he's yeah. been incredible. Um, but we knew the, the team, we knew the lineup was going to be good. You know, we, we knew Vladdy Bichette, um, Biggio hasn't been that great, but like Terrasco Hernandez, like adding George Springer into this team, you know, we, we knew these guys were going to score runs. It was just, can they score enough? over the pitching because they really just have Hyunjin Ryu and then a bunch of arms like Robbie Ray's been pretty decent for him this year um you know uh but Steven Matz has been Steven Matz like he's (laughs) it's it's just looking at his numbers it's exactly what you'd expect you know you would have seen from him on the Mets for the last few years so you know the bullpen's a little shaky as well um but yeah I mean like I said really not much to say it's they're exactly what we thought they were going to be
0: We got to give Marcus Simeon credit because he bet on himself, got a kind of crappy contract. He got a crappy contract. He went out and said, I'm going to get a better deal. Didn't really get one, but he's in the discussion. I mean, if Otani wasn't a mutant, he's firmly in the discussion for American League MVP. He had that good of a first half. I mean, he had like a four and a half war first half. Yeah, just really impressive, especially considering you don't expect a ton of power from a middle infielder, but... Simeon, 22 home runs 56 rbi 528 slugging really solid first half from Simeon, and like you said about vladdy we all thought vladdy was going to be good we didn't know if he'd ever hit for average like this i mean he's legitimately in the discussion for a triple crown he's in the top five in all three categories i think he's leading in two of the uh two of the three so very very exciting team the blue jays we know they need to add stuff and I just want to give Cedric Mullins a shout out for having 104 hits at the at the uh, All Star break. No one's ever going to sniff 262 probably ever again, but 104 hits in the first half is nothing to sneeze at.
1: Yeah, Cedric Mullins has been great. Like the Orioles, obviously they're not good, but they at least have some bright spots like Cedric Mullins. He's been a diamond in the rough. He's he's turned out to be fantastic for them. Um, like you said, Trey Mancini, although he might he might get moved to the deadline, but. His story is is fantastic. You know, Ryan Matt Castle has been pretty good for him this year when he's played. They have they have some pretty decent young talent coming up, so they're not good, but there's some bright spots at least on that on that Baltimore team. So um, it's it's not all bad for them.
0: So we've wrapped up the American League Fourteen and a half minutes. Not terrible, not terrible. <laughs> now moving on to the AL Central. This division's a little bit easier because you know there's only two ish competitive teams, so we'll be able to go a little bit faster. I know you and I were both extremely skeptical of Tony La Russa as the White Sox manager, but it does seem like even Tony La Russa couldn't screw this up because the White Sox have been as advertised, they've been extremely competitive. Liam Hendricks has been awesome as the closer. They've gotten a lot out of Rodon, which no one really expected this year. Lance Lynn has been pretty good for them. And they've been able to endure some pretty rough injuries. They've lost some key contributors for a while now. And it's one of the more interesting teams in baseball, just the way it's constructed. Because when you look at it, there's not any one guy that's carrying a ton of the load right now while they're waiting for people to come back. I mean, Jose Abreu's having a nice first half. I, I do want to talk about Grandall in a minute because he's one of the most in, most curious cases maybe ever in baseball, but I know Tony La Russa might still be able to mess this up in the second half, but I can't complain. This is what the white Sox were supposed to be.
1: Yeah. And like you said, they've had a ton of injuries. Obviously they lost Elo Jimenez for, for half the year before the season even started. He heard himself trying to rob a home run in spring training. I don't know why he did that. <laughs> um and then the Luis Robert was, was hitting, he was hitting like 300 and then he got hurt. Um, He he was out for a few months. He's still out for a little bit longer. Um, You know, uh, Nick Madrigal, their their young star second baseman, he's out for this season now. He got knocked out a couple, a couple weeks ago. Yasmani Grandal is even hurt now, even though he's been very interesting. Um, But yeah, like they, they've gotten some decent contribution. I remember at one point, like Billy Hamilton hit two home yeah. runs for them in back to back games. And it was like what the hell is going on in Chicago? They got Billy Hamilton hitting home runs for him. Brian Goodwin's come over there. I think he got I think he got DFA by the by the Nationals this this offseason yeah. or at some point this year. Brian Goodwin's been phenomenal for them in the last few weeks. Um you know, they they're getting they're getting enough out of out of the guys they got. And of course, you know, it helps that the division is is awful. Yes. Um I mean, you know, Minnesota was seen as like the like the real competitor to them this year and they're 15 games back right now. Minnesota is basically done. Um, Cleveland's really the, the only other team over 500 in this division. So, and even that, you know, they, we don't think they have enough even an injured White Sox team, but still you got to give credit to Tony LaRusso because obviously he's got the job done. Like I said, I, I we didn't think it was going to work. Um, you know, this whole Adam Eaton hitting second experiment didn't <laughs> work. I think Adam Eaton got DFA'd a couple weeks ago, but still, yes. you know, they're, 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 they're 19 games over 500 at the all-star break. There's really nothing. There's nothing you can you can say bad about that. I think they have they have they have the third best winning percentage in baseball. They're only behind the Dodgers and the Giants. So, but still, like again, nothing nothing bad really you could say about it. Um,
0: about what the White Sox and
1: Larusa have done so far.
0: I know you talked about it a little bit on your show yesterday, but Rodon kind of came out of nowhere, and he's been amazing this year.
1: Yeah, Carlos Rodon is crazy because he he got released by the like he was a high pick by the White Sox. I think when he got drafted, he was there he was like thought to be the number one pick in the draft he ended up going i think like three or four to the white Sox, um and then he just never lived up to the hype like he was a guy who was decent he had like a four and a half era through his first four i think four seasons in the bigs and like he was okay but never what he was built to be they let him go this offseason in december and then they ended up bringing him back in i think the beginning of february i guess they were able to bring him back in a cheaper deal and he he couldn't find anywhere else to go and you know he figured might as well stay where i'm you know, where I've been the for the, my whole career. And then now he's he's an all-star this year. Like, he's been phenomenal. He's been he, – it's funny because Lucas Giolito yeah. was seen as their ace coming into the year, and he's been their third-best pitcher. Like, like we knew we knew Lance Lynn was probably going to be pretty good, not as good as he's been, but we figured Lance Lynn would be good. But, like, yeah, Carlos Rodon's been phenomenal. They, they've gotten so much out of those two guys.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty decent rotation. I'm looking at it now. I mean, Giolito probably a little bit better than he's pitched. Keiko, at this point, is a crafty veteran. He'll be able to get... He, he's a competitive number three, four-starter in a best-of-seven series. You can live with that. Cease is fine. And then Lynn and Rodon have been awesome. I mean, Lindsey R.A. is sub-two. That's pretty hard to do in the American League. That, that's pretty damn hard. Now, switching up gears over to the Indians. The Indians are another team that's kind of in that lurch of, we have to field a competitive team because we have too much talent to not be competitive but at the same time they know they're not competing for a world series so they're kind of stuck in that between that rock and a hard place where they're just going to keep selling off assets one at a time like they did with Lindor like they did with Clevenger like they've done in the past with other players they've had and you just kind of stuck and there's no real way out of that middle in baseball like there is in football in football you draft 15th overall when you're that 15th overall pick, that helps you win one, two more games. You're right back in the playoff conversation. And in football, the margins are a little tighter because, you know, playoffs are one game elimination. In baseball, you're in the soggy middle. You never get out. You make the playoffs. You turn into the ace. You make the playoffs every year or almost every year. And you lose the wild card game or in the divisional round every year. And there's no hope. And it sucks because that Indians team that went to the world series was very talented. They've had some pretty talented teams under Terry Francona. This team right now is pretty damn talented and still, you know, it's kind of hopeless for them.
1: Yeah. There's really like, it just seems like they don't have enough. Like they did. They just keep giving away a little too much to like really push for it. And they don't, they don't want to take like the ownership obviously doesn't want to take that extra step to kind of like, push this or like fund this team into being competitive like really competitive consistently um you know i mean you, you look at you look at their batting stats jose ramirez basically leads in everything which makes sense he's a great player but like you know you need you need more than just one great player on offense you know yeah like obviously lindor is been this great hasn't been great this year but like if francisco lindor is on this team right now if they were if they were not like if they they were not cheap enough to be able to keep him their team, this seems probably, you know, they're probably more in the mix in this in this AL Central right now. Um so you know, it's it's just, you know, they they they're great. They're definitely great at finding talent. Um, it's just, you know, I it would be nice to see them get a little bit more support from from higher up to to actually like make a real run in there. Cause like you said, that that Indian scene that, that made the World Series lost to the Cubs was very good they've had some great teams it's just you know you need a little bit of luck like you can have all the talent in the world but you need a little bit of luck and they just they just didn't have quite enough to get over it and now they they might not get another chance for who knows how long
0: yeah Yeah, that's one of the things that's especially finite in baseball windows close really fucking quick when you think about it some of the teams The Orioles were very competitive this decade, the Rangers were very competitive this decade, the Kansas City Royals, the Detroit Tigers, all of these teams that, you know, we think of as a joke now that are in like year three or four of like 10 year rebuilds, they all had pretty competitive teams that were capable of competing for World Series and you don't want the Indians to be that because you still have talented players on that team. I mean, we got to shout out my boy, Franmil, who, you know, MLB, the show legend, Franmil Mill Reyes, because he's had a really nice first half for them. He's got pretty good slugging stats. He's hitting for power. And to your point, they need more. You are probably never going to get more just because of the nature of that ownership group where they're rich, but they're rich for like rich people, not rich to like wealthy people like the Shaq joke about being rich versus wealthy they're rich they can't afford to go 200 million salaries and it sucks because if they were able to keep that team together they'd be firmly in the mix with the White Sox with the Yankees with the A's with the Astros if they still had Clevenger if they still had Lindor if they still had some of the guys from that World Series team but that's just the nature of baseball some owners just aren't willing enough to put the money in. And they're not willing to sell the team because they're still making too much money. It's frustrating, but that's what it is. Now, yeah. real quick, we'll touch on the Twins. We'll touch the Tigers and the Royals. What the fuck happened to the Twins, man? You and I were both kind of bullish on them coming into the season. And it's kind of hard to diagnose what the problem is exactly.
1: Yeah, because they really they really haven't changed all that much. Like They've kept their team pretty consistent over the last few years, which... I mean, you know, it kind of makes sense with a team that won 100 games in 2019. Like you don't want to change too much. Like it's obviously a winning formula. It worked. You made the playoffs the last couple of years. Why would you go out and make wholesale changes? You don't want to do that. But they like they they stayed the course and then things just it just all went all went wrong for them. I mean, you know, obviously like I don't know why they thought it was kind of like obvious that Josh Donaldson <laughs> yeah. that kind of had kind of like used the all his juice in Toronto. Um, and then somehow Atlanta squeezed, excuse me, like squeezed that last little bit out of him. But yeah, now he's back to being bad. But also even like, even like they signed Donaldson because they weren't getting anything out of, like they weren't getting any production to the third base. So like even if they're getting nothing out of Donaldson, the rest of the team and like Nelson Cruz somehow is still, is still playing very well. But he's like really the only guy on offense who's doing a whole lot. Um, You know, I mean, Max Kepler, he's, he was great a couple of years ago when they, when they broke the the, the, the record for home runs that one year. Um, you know, he was great. Jorge Polanco was great. You know, a lot of these guys that were really good for him a couple years ago, they're just not showing up. Like Miguel Sano, he's hitting like 180 this year, he's 196. He's been awful. Um, Byron Buxton actually been phenomenal. He just cannot stay Stay healthy, healthy. unfortunately. Like every time he comes, I think he was out for like a month or two, and then he comes back three games in. He has like a home run, you know, he's hitting like 400 in those three games, and then he gets hit in the, he gets hit by a pitch on the hand, and he's out again for a while. I don't even know how long he's out for, but. You know, it's a little bit of poor luck with Buxton being hurt, but then everybody else, like nobody else is carrying their weight outside of Nelson Cruz, really. Like he's the only one. Um, so it's it's just I don't know, it's weird. This this offense that was so great, the best in baseball two years ago, is now is just it's not really up to scratch. And the pitching, the pitching isn't it's never really was dominant enough to overcome bad offense, and it's certainly not right now.
0: So We're assuming the twins are going to be sellers for all intents and purposes. We've heard that teams are inquired on Donaldson. They've asked about Nelson Cruz. Some people have said maybe Berrios, but Berrios still has a few years of team control. So that's not as likely. Pineda probably could be had. Kenta Maeda could probably be had. Any of those guys entice you if you're a contender, if you're looking to add a guy?
1: I mean, Barry. the pitchers certainly do. Berrios um could end up being one of the the like if he's actually put on the market he's probably going to be the biggest target like the, the the number one name available for a lot of teams and like a team's making looking to make a big splash are probably going to be looking at Jose Barrios um but you know Kenta Maeda he's had a rough year this year but last year I think he got Cy Young votes last year like he was yeah. great last year he's been good for the twins his first couple of years um just this year he's struggled a little bit but he's starting to turn a corner so you, you know there, there is there is at least like. There's a history of being good for, for Maeda. You're not just like – it's not like one fluke year and now he's bad again. Even Pineda, like Pineda's not great, but, you know. He's serviceable. Yeah, like he's good enough. Like if you're looking for a back-end guy to just get through, like I was thinking like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been awful for the Mets to trade for him. Like, you know, if they were looking – the Twins are looking to sell a couple of weeks ago when the Mets had two starters healthy. Yeah. And they were throwing out like – I mean, Tyler McGill has been good, but they were throwing out just like – you know it's a pucky and then yeah. and then like i don't even know just random guys and bullpen games every, like every series like i was like Pineda wouldn't be that bad he'll, he'll get you he'll, he'll get you five innings you know he's not great he's never gonna be that great but he'll, he'll, he'll do it. he'll do a job for you like he'll, he'll be serviceable enough to get you through a game to get you know to get you through some innings um and so like i don't even think he'll be that bad like obviously not not a big target at the deadline but some team can get value out of Michael Pineda. So I, honestly, the pitchers are going to be where it's at because the hitters, you know, like Cruz, is a good hitter to get, but he's got to be know, American he, League. It's got to be American League exactly. Um, I really wouldn't want to touch Josh Donaldson. I think the only way a team trades for Josh Donaldson is if the Twins pair him with like a Barrios just to get him off the books. Um, and obviously that drives Barrios's price down. So I don't know if you want to do that. But really, anybody <laughs> yeah. else? I mean, like, who do you really want? Like, you don't want to know. You don't really like Polanco. Um, maybe like Chaver Kepler. But even like, I, there's just really nobody else. It's got to be some of the pitchers. Even you know their closer, Colome, and 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 uh, I don't know. If, I don't know which Rogers brother they have, but they have one of the <laughs> Rogers, and he's pretty good. So it's really just the the arms that are going to be trade deadline bait for for Minnesota.
0: Yeah, you and I were both pretty bullish on them. Real quick, again, we got to touch on them. Tigers, Royals. The Royals started out very nice. They had a good first month of the season. Obviously, they came back down to earth. And the Tigers, they're still Miguel Cabrera's team, technically speaking. So, really, really quick before we go. Anything you want to get in on either of those teams? I know Nico Gudrum has had a decent season. Uh, Robbie Grossman has been a pleasant surprise for them. Anything on either team?
1: Not really, no. I mean, they're, they're both pretty boring. Like, the Royals could probably get a lot if they traded Whit Merrifield, but it just seems yeah. like they're never going to trade him. And then the Tigers, they really don't have much to trade, you know. Um, I mean, like, they got guys they could trade, but they're not going to trade to the young guys. And really, other than that, like, no one's going to want to trade for Miggy. So um, not not a whole lot to offer from either of those teams. Not 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 too much interesting going on there.
0: All right. So naturally, it's time – coming into this year, I figured the Astros would be better. I did not think they would be leading the league in slugging at the All-Star break. I'm pretty sure I picked them to win the American League West. I said I had Alex Bregman as my MVP candidate. I was a little bit off. Correa probably the MVP candidate on that team, but something clicked for them, because this is more or less the same team as last year, and they're hitting, and they're pitching well enough, and it's gonna be very interesting come postseason time to see if this is actually happening or if this is just kind of a nice run in the regular season.
1: Yeah, I mean this, they're, they're, this offense is like is like trash can banging error offense. Like obviously, yeah. I highly doubt they're doing anything <laughs> like that again because if they got caught again. <laughs> It would be over, but I mean, they, they have the most run scored in the league so far this year. Like they, the offense has been phenomenal. If they've, they've had probably like the best offense in baseball. And like you said, everybody, they're, they're just hitting like Michael Brantley. I think he, I saw something. He hit like 400 in the month of June, Michael Brantley. Yeah. That is, that is disgusting. Like, I don't know how you do that. Yuli Gurriel has been phenomenal this year. Jordan Alvarez, he's staying healthy and he's always good. Like you said, Correa has been great. Altuve is hitting the ball better again. You know, like they're they're just getting a lot of production out of these guys on offense, even even with Alex Bergman really not offering you a lot, and everybody else is just picking up the slack. So, um, yeah, the offense has been phenomenal. The pitching's doing enough. They got a, a lot of young arms. They always develop pitching well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Zach Greinke is is he's I mean he hasn't been he's been okay. He's been better as of late. But I mean, yeah, the the pitching's been enough. The offense, and when the offense scores, you know, five, basically five hundred runs. In the first half of the season, your pitching doesn't have to be all that good to, to have to have a, a be 19 games over and have a 604 winning percentage. So the, the offense is phenomenal.
0: And we got to give a shout out to Ryan Presley, who's been amazing out of the bullpen. Yes. For them. One yes. of the best sw- one of the best guys in the league at pitching away from contact, striking people out, getting people out with runners on base and. I was reading something the other day talking about strategy and how it's evolving in baseball. And even though he is technically Houston's closer, at some point when you get in those kind of situations in the playoffs where, you know, your starters got two guys on and there's one out, you might be better off bringing in your best guy to try and get out of that situation as opposed to bringing in someone who's used to pitching in lower leverage situations or trying to have your starter pitch out of trouble. And then, you know, you roll the dice with the rest of your bullpen in lower leverage as the game goes on without runners on base just because you know he's so good at striking people out and avoiding contact.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's certainly something we've seen a lot more now where, like, the best pitcher in a bullpen isn't necessarily always closing games. But they don't always pitch in the ninth inning. And sometimes, you know, sometimes if it calls for it, they'll come in in the seventh inning because, you know, like you said, runners in scoring position and you got the heart of the lineup coming up you get you get you know your your you know your closer to come in in the seventh get out of the jam and then you know by the time it comes in the ninth inning you get it somewhat you get like a, a lesser pitcher but then he's facing the bottom of the order coming up yeah. and you, you trust him more to to be able to to make that save and so they get the save stat but really the closer the best pitcher of the bullpen is the guy who who did the heavy lifting and got him through a jam yeah because you know like I, the Mets would love to do that even though Edwin Diaz can't pitch in non-save situations but like yeah. You know, you don't want to bring Drew Smith into a game where it's runners on second and third one out and you're only up by a run. You know, you got to get a situation. You're bringing in your big guns. You're bringing in, you know, a Seth Lugo or Trevor May or you know, when he's when he's been pitching well or an Edwin Diaz if he learned how to pitch in non-save situations. So, yeah, we, we certainly see that a lot more. now, And the strategy makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those little nuances that as strategy's gotten better, it, it's a little bit less gut instinct and a little bit more. This guy is good at doing this in this situation. In that division, we figured Oakland would be good, and Oakland is as usual. You recognize a lot of the names on this lineup card. They're, it's not as it's not as good as it's been in years past, but they're still hanging around. They're only a couple games back of the Astros. They're doing it in spite of the fact Matt Chapman has been pretty outright bad this year. Ramon Laureano's been very good for them. Matt Olsen had a very strong first half. Jed Lowry is alive, which I didn't know he was alive, (laughs) which is quite interesting to see. They always manage to find a way. They always manage to find a way.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, Matt Matt Olsen's kind of carried the burden for this team on offense this year. He leads the team in average on base and slugging and obviously it's going to lead to the delete in OPS and 938 OPS. I think he's third in the American league in OPS behind just Vladdy and Otani, which of course, like those guys are mutants. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like, he's been great. You know, Matt Chapman, like you said, has been very underwhelming. You expected a lot more out of Matt Chapman on offense, um, but you know, they they're another team. They're like Tampa Bay. They get contributions out of guys you know that's just enough like like you said the corpse of Jed Lowry's hit 263 for him this year he has 10 home runs 42 RBIs he's 300 at bats yeah. so far in the first half of the season like what he did two at bats for the mets yes. in two years and I he's 300 at bats for for the uh, for, for Oakland in the first half of the season he played he played 86 games in the first half of the season i guess he played every single game for them that's crazy yeah that is that is that is you know not not quite every game but damn near close to it so um, yeah, I mean, again, like I said, they they just get contributions out of guys you don't expect them to get it from. So I, I don't know how they do it, but their process obviously works because even though they they haven't been able to get over that hump and get a World Series, they're they're always they're always competitive.
0: And you're looking at that rotation. All of these guys have decent stats as far as ERA and managing to keep guys off of base. But I mean, aside from Chris Bassett, none of these guys are like. I could identify what they look like if you showed me a picture of them.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, they're, they're not really big names. Like I know yeah. Sean Mania and Frankie Montes because I had them on my fantasy team a couple of years <laughs> ago. But like, other than that, you know, like, yeah, they, these are not, these are not like high pedigree guys. Like Jesus Lazardo is probably the only guy with a high pedigree and he's probably been their worst pitcher this year. Like he missed yeah. some time, but when he was pitching at the beginning of the season, when he was starting from the beginning of the season, he was bad. Like he had over a five ERA when he was a starter or even I think over a six ERA is a six, eight, seven, six, eight, seven ERA right now. So when he was starting, he was bad and he was the only guy who came in with any kind of pedigree. He was a top prospect and just didn't have it. I think they moved into the bullpen um, since he came back from, from his injury, but yeah, the rest of these guys, you know, like you said, not nothing, nothing flashy. They don't have, they don't have the big arms. They don't have anything crazy, but they get the job done. They, they do enough to, to again they, they they pitch well enough they get this team wins and same thing with the offense they hit well enough to get this team wins and that's that's all you really need to do
0: how is seattle competitive i i don't understand how they're like relatively in the mix for a mariners team i, I mean they're like eight back of houston but it, they're in the mix and the mariners haven't had a pulse in god knows how long and there are no recognizable names in this lineup aside from Kyle Seager. I, I'm looking at, I mean, J.Q.P. Crawford, yes. They've had quite a few guys on the injury list. Jared Kalanick has not been great for them, which I, I don't want to see someone fail because they got traded from the Mets, but that's been a little <laughs> bit of a relief. I mean, <laughs> they've gotten good results out of some – they've got Chris Flexen pitching well. Yeah, Chris. He Chris. Could do that.
1: I was gonna say, I was like, Chris, our old buddy, Chris Flexen, has been actually sneaky good for them this year. Um, he's he's been they they win a lot of his games. He puts them in the position in, in position to win a lot. He leads their their, their team, and really has eight wins this year. It's yeah. insane. Chris Flexen is eight and three. Um, obviously, you know, wins aren't the most important side for a pitcher, but nonetheless, like eight and three is pretty impressive for Chris Flexen with a what a three point five one ERA. I wouldn't. I would have. Like never have seen that coming when he was pitching for the Mets.
0: That that Mariners to Mets pipeline is very real. I'm looking <laughs> up and down this bullpen, and I see Paul Seawald's there. I see Rafael Montero. All these people I haven't heard of in years. And you know
1: who's on the Mariners? Who's they, the they brought? They brought back Eric Campbell, <laughs> Soupy Soup, on the Mariners. <laughs> I thought yeah.
0: Soup was playing in Korea.
1: I, they brought him back. That's what I mean. That's what they. Them, these Mets guys, they suck for the Mets. They go play in they Korea have and then. Yeah, they (laughs) have damns Oh my god. They have like five or six they have like five or six former Mets on their on their 40 man. I don't know why, but
0: and really (laughs) quick, we've gotta touch on the Angels just because it's like that tweet. I always see tweets that are Mike Trout just hit another home run and Shohei Otani did something for the first time since nineteen twenty three, and the Tigers are gonna win the game nine to three. What the hell can we do to get help the Angels, man? I feel like we've been doing this song and dance for the entirety of Trout's career, but now they have Otani too, who's like, all right, you finally got the ace in your rotation. What the hell? What's the problem? Aside from the fact they don't have any pitching, what is the problem?
1: I mean, I I really don't know. Like they're just, they seem like they're cursed because like you said, Trout, I mean, he's been out for a while, but, he was having an in like one of like he was up pace for one of his best seasons ever, which is saying a lot. Altani has been now an MVP. So they basically have two MVPs in this lineup. Yes. Um Jared Walsh has given them great production there's like Jared Walsh has been fantastic, 65 RBIs. David Fletcher's hitting 309. I think he has a 24 game hit streak right now. Yeah. Um he had that going into the break. So like they're getting like the top four or five guys in this order are performing. It's just Anthony Rendon... Has for some reason, he, he, I don't know what happened to him, but he's not hitting like he normally does. He's been a disappointment this year. He has six home runs, um, 240 average, 712 OPS. Like that is never, ever what we see out of Anthony Rendon. Like when, when I was, when he was playing for the Nationals, I always thought he was one of like underrated. He was one of the best third basemen in baseball because he really yeah. was. Like he was such a dangerous hitter. It was so, he was such a hard out. He was so difficult to pitch to. It seemed like, and then now for whatever reason, he goes to LA and he like, he had a decent year last year, but now he's, he's this year, he's been awful. And then like you said, the pitching, I mean, the pitching is obviously like, that's the easy answer, but I I, I think Anthony Rendon, not being good is certainly a big, a big hit for this, for this lineup, even though so many other guys are, are playing so well. And then, yeah. And then, you know, the pitching, I mean, they tried to address it. They drafted 20 pitchers in the draft. Yeah. They, didn't draft they, didn't, they didn't draft a single position player in the MLB draft that took place on Sunday. They took exclusively pitchers. They took 20 pitchers. Might as well. The lineup's fine. I mean, obviously, most of these guys might not even ever make it to the majors. And even if they do, it's going to be a few years. But, you know, like, you know Otani's going to be here a while. You know Trout's going to be here for you know, the rest of his career. Jared Walsh is still pretty young. Like, these guys are going to be here get the pitching now because it's desperately desperately what they need like they were hoping for more this year out of like dylan bundy like he was good last year but he's been awful andrew heaney has been bad griffin canning's been just okay um rysel iglesias their closer is really the only pitcher who's really done anything good for them this year and you need more out of your starters if 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 you're gonna win even even if you have pretty much like maybe the two best players in baseball right now on your team in in trout and otani so um, the pitching is the big answer, but Anthony Rendon, certainly for the for the offense, has been a big disappointment.
0: There's something with the Angels. They always go for the shiny object in free agency or trades, and as soon as it gets there, it just falls apart. I mean, the obvious one, Pujols, but they've had Justin Upton for how long now, and he's never been the same since he got there? Rendon, like you mentioned. It's just something about the Angels when it comes to their talent management. Guys, once they get there... I mean, part of it is just, you know, signing guys who are 29, 30 years old to these long-term deals and locking yourself in and cornering yourself where you're stuck with a guy, and they've had guys fall off pretty quick. I mean, Justin yeah. Upton, once upon a time, was a pretty scary power hitter, and now he's just, you know, another guy in your lineup who bats like seventh on a good team.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it feels uh, you know, like everybody they signed to a big-money deal it just, like you said, falls off a cliff, everybody, but, um, but Trout, you know thankfully he he's still hitting well but any free agents rendon he's looking like i hope i think he's gonna get back to better but still like not an encouraging sign how bad he's been this year as like, pooh holes hamilton like you said Upton, it's just some kind of curse for the angels yeah. they, they just can't get it right they like you said they always go for the shiny object um and then it, it, it never really works out they always get the guys like right as they're going over the hill uh and it, it ends up biting them and then they, they're stuck with this this monster contract on their books that they can't get rid of. And then they finally get rid of it. And then they bring in another guy who does the same thing and they're just screwed by it. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully Anthony Rendon, if he, if he starts to perform like he was with Washington, then you can live with that contract and you really don't have any like terrible contracts on this team. But if he doesn't, he's, he's the next Pujols, the next Hamilton, the next Upton. So.
0: Really quick on the Rangers, Gallo, Kyle Gibson, Interested at all?
1: I'm not interested in Joey Gallo one bit. Um, at least, at least for certain teams, he makes sense for for the Mets what and the teams Yankees.
0: Would, what teams do you think Joey Gallo would make sense for if you had to pin a few? You don't have to give me one, but a few. You
1: you got to put him in a lineup. You got to put him in a lineup where he's like the Mets and the Yankees. They're a team. They're teams that struggle too much like they strike out in big spots they 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 don't get big hits in big spots and they like they just struggle with that and that's what Joey Gallo is like he hits in a ton of home runs but he's also like a 215 hitter and he's gonna he's gonna get out in a lot of big moments and you can't for a team like as like the Mets and the Yankees you need guys who are going to perform like you can trust the performance you can't do that with Joey Gallo like he, he he is much of the same for both the Mets and the Yankees. I don't think he makes a whole lot of sense. If you get him in a team like Oakland um, or even like, like maybe a San Diego, like a team with a a much deeper lineup that isn't as reliant on, on him. And then maybe he gets a little bit of a little bit of protection. I think he's, he's a lot better. Um, But, you know, even like a Milwaukee, maybe Atlanta after losing a Cunha, if they decide they still want to go for it, like those teams, I think can get more use out of him, but I just don't I don't think he would be a good fit for the match of the Yankees. I think they need they need a lot better or a lot more consistent production out of any any like big name they're going to acquire at the deadline. It's just he's he's not it for for either of those two teams, I think.
0: Kyle Gibson, you think the Rangers re- are actually shopping him, or do you think this is just kind of people throwing shit at the wall for content <laughs> this time of year?
1: I mean, I think so. I, he's he's been pretty good. Like there's really no reason for them to hold on to him. It's not like he's young you know it's not it's not like he's a guy who's who's you know he's 33 years old i don't know what his contract's like but it's not like a guy you know they're like we can we can keep him in this rotation and build around him like it's probably the best you're going to get out of him might as like you're if they they trade him they're selling high on him so i think why not trade him I, I wouldn't mind him he's been very good i don't think you're going to get what 229 you know era production out of him wherever he goes but you know, if you get like a three and a half, four ERA out of him the rest of the way, it's not. That's that's a fine. Like he's not going to cost you the whole time. I don't think so. Yeah. any team looking for for a pretty, a fairly cheap starting starting uh you know arm, I think you do a whole lot worse than Kyle Gibson.
0: All right, it's time to transition to the National League. We'll start with the East. We'll start with the Mets. You and I have talked about this. I think I've mentioned this to pretty much everybody who will listen to me. The Mets have had one person hitting, like, all year. They've had Pete hitting, and he hasn't even been healthy all year, and Nimmo's been pretty good in the spurts he's played. But the Mets have basically only had one or two guys hitting at the same time all season. If they can get three or four guys in their lineup hitting together all at the same time, this is a really damn good lineup if they can get everybody going at the same time.
1: Yeah, it's the thing. They don't even need everybody to be like on the same. Like they don't need everybody, but this lineup's so yeah. deep that you, like you said, you get three or four guys that are all clicking at the same time. They're gonna score runs. Like it's gonna happen, you know. Um. So hopefully that's the case. I mean, Lindor has been a lot better as of late. Nemo has been fantastic since he came back. Um. And you hope you know Pete continues to hit home runs, but other than that, like you, you need something out of Michael Conforto because he's yeah. been abysmal. Jeff McNeil. He's been okay. Like a 252 average on paper isn't bad, but like he's, we used to, we used to seeing him contend for batting titles, and now he's not even close to that. So you want, you need more out of him. Like I said, Lindor has been better. You need more. I think Dom Smith's been better as of late too, but like I think, I think he set the bar kind of high for himself with how well he was last year. And like it's probably not going to be what Dom Smith is the rest of his year, what he was last year, but also like I think he's better than what he is right now. You need more out of him. James McCain anymore out of him. And then, you know, John and VR has been fine, but you know, you hope, you hope like, that's probably the the position they upgrade at the deadline. Like if they can get a third baseman, a, like a big bat there. I think that helps this team out the most. And that's, that's easily what they need. Like they, they need, they need another bat and hopefully I think, I think what they need too is like, I don't know who you can get. That's like a Kelly Johnson um, one <laughs> you totally type move, guy. but like you need you need somebody to light a fire under these guys because I like I remember when they made that trade, and like obviously the 2015 season is is like immortalized for for the Mets. Like when they made that trade, Lucas Duda went to Terry Collins and was like, Are "These guys here to replace me." And Terry Collins was like, "Well, if you don't hit, they're gonna replace you." And then Lucas Duda hit like eight home runs in ten games. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm you know. Lucas Duda, but like you you need like these guys are too comfortable, I think. You need to trade for somebody that's gonna threaten their starting spot and it's gonna light a fire under their ass because then they'll they'll start hitting and they're they're gonna get better, and that's what these guys need.
0: So Chris Bryan, because he can threaten every single person on the field starting job.
1: Pretty much like Chris Bryan or Adam Frazier, I think would be fantastic. And I think it, it gets a lot of these guys going, like, oh crap, is this guy like if I don't hit this guy's gonna take my spot in the lineup? So I need to start hitting, I need to start doing something. Um, and then you know, if everybody starts hitting, that's a great problem to have. So I think that I think that's what they need the most. It's just somebody somebody to the light a fire under the rest of these guys to get them going.
0: And we gotta give a shout out to the rotation, because the three Walker, Strowman, and DeGrom have all been excellent in the first half. I, I don't imagine they'll all be as good as they were in the first half, but to get this much out of Strowman and Walker, extremely great. And I feel like we kind of expect DeGrom to be this, but at the same time, you just look at the numbers for DeGrom and they're superhuman. They're not realistic. Like a 1.080 yeah. RA doesn't look real. I, I kind of feel like because DeGrom didn't go to the All Star game, he didn't get the nod he deserves for having as good a first half as he did. But the Mets are this far along in the season and they are in first place because of the pitching, because the lineup's been abysmal. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's all the pitching. Like they have I think like I think they have the best ERA in like staff ERA in baseball, and that's why they're in first base, because like you said, the pitching's been phenomenal. You can't ask for for anything, anything more out of what we've gotten from Tylon Walker and Marcus Showman. And then even even the guys that are just thrown in there, like his last few starts before he was out for the season, Joey Lucchese was was pretty yeah. damn good. His last like four or five starts before he got hurt. David Peterson's been like okay his last few starts. I mean, he had a really, uh, he had a few bad ones where he he was like not even getting out of the first inning. Now he's at least getting to like four or five to help the bullpen a little bit. You know, Tyler McGill has been pretty good since he, since he started pitching, Um, you know, like obviously nothing great, but they're, they're, they're giving you enough. Like, there's really nobody hurting you in this rotation right now, even in the bullpen, like the bullpen has been pretty good. Miguel, like they've all, they've all pretty much had their bumps where they've been kind of bad, but you know, Miguel Casha was great at the beginning of the season. Trevor Mays had his moments like Edwin Diaz has been in save opportunities. He's been phenomenal. Seth Lugo has been great since he came back. So the, the pitching is great. They just need more offense. You really, you can't ask for anything more out of, out of this pitching staff than what we've gotten in the first half.
0: So the last thing on the Mets before we move on, if you could only add a pitcher or a bat, which would you prefer?
1: It's tough because even though the pitching's great, it is the, the, the depth is a concern. Um, I think if I could only add one, I'd probably go pitcher because I think they need more depth there, and you, you just hope that the offense kind of figures it out because this team does have talent. Um, this lineup does have a lot of talent. You just kind of hope they, they, they figure it out themselves and they, they kind of get themselves going. Um, but you know, obviously I think they're going to look to add both. Hopefully they add both and they definitely do need a bat, but if you could, if you're only giving me one choice, I think you go pitcher just because like I said, the, the depth isn't there. Like even though McGill has been good, um, they've had so many pitchers out, you know, even Zapucky now is, I think he's out for the year, you know, you yeah. lost Pucky for the year. You lost, you lost, you lost you, Lucchese for the year, you know, David Peterson's fine, but you, you want more, you, you want another guy because you, like I said, you can't expect Walker and Stroman to be this great the whole season you need something else you need a little bit more more of a cushion for that rotation
0: so being fair to what we know it is also fair to say the Mets are in first place because everybody else in the division is kind of falling apart the Phillies bullpen is laughably bad they're on pace to break the record for blown saves they only need one more for the whole season and they'll tie the record, and, you know, it was the All-Star break this week, so the Phillies' bullpen has imploded, and to the Braves, man, what the hell happened to the Braves? We were talking about the Braves as a World Series team.
1: I think the Braves, like, obviously I didn't see this coming, so I'm not going to act like, you know, like, yeah. obviously hindsight's 20, 20, But I but I think they got complacent with how good they've been, and they didn't mm-hmm. do enough, like – they brought back Marcel Ozuna, which I think was very silly on their part. Obviously, even before—I mean, I think we said that before the season started. Yeah. Like, obviously, even before you know he got the domestic abuse case, and he was not even hitting well before that point. But still, like, they did the same thing with him, like they did with Donaldson. They brought him in on a one-year deal after their value was really low, and then they crushed. Like he—he he was like an MVP candidate last year, and then they resigned him. Like they did the good thing with Donaldson, let him walk. They should have done the same with with Ozuna. Um, that's biting him in—you in, know—in the ass, and then. Um, you know I like the, the, their big guys have hit but they, they've kind of they just got complacent like I said And I know Gary Cohen brings it up every time they play the Braves their bullpen is bad this year and they only yeah. did it to themselves like Shane Green's back but they let Shane Green sit in free agency until like I think until May so now it took him like an extra month or two into the season like it took him like two or three months into the season to actually be able to pitch and major the games because he had to get stretched out and warmed up Um, And then when he came back, he wasn't good because I think they rushed him back because of how bad the bullpen was. And then Mark Melanson, they let him go. He he signed for basically nothing in San Diego, and now he leads the league in saves. Like he's been phenomenal for San Diego, and he was in Atlanta last year, like and they could have just kept him. Like it wasn't like he he went to San Diego on some big money deal. Like he signed for I think a a cheap one year deal. Atlanta easily could have given him more than what San Diego gave him. Um, and, you know, they, they could have kept that bullpen that was pretty decent last year. They could have kept it together, and they just – their only really big moves this offseason were Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. And, like, Morton's been okay, but really it's, like, he was so good last month because he pitched against the Mets twice. And the Mets <laughs> can't hit curveballs. That's all he throws. And, like, Drew Smiley is Drew Smiley. You know, they have some poor luck with injuries, but still, like, even – like, Acuna's out for the year now. Even before he was hurt, they weren't good. Like, he was the only one really – hitting a lot like albies has been okay he's been pretty good freddie freeman's been okay not an lmvp freddie freeman but you know it's i don't know they i think they just got complacent they they didn't look they weren't aggressive enough to make improvements on the team that was so so incredibly close to to making the world series last year and they they kind of just they they didn't do
0: enough i don't think all right so last thing on the braves here you're sitting six games out of first place. Seven games out of first place is the Braves. I'm looking up right now. Standing, they're four back of the Mets. Okay, you're four back of first place. If yeah. you are six out by the deadline, and you know you're not going to be able to extend Freddie Freeman, you got to trade him, right?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think it. it you can't it let him be the- for nothing. Yeah, I think it depends on how the Mets are playing as well. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: if the Mets are kind of just treading on water still, I think and like if the Phillies don't really take, you know, kind of kind of figure out themselves either. Like if, if the Atlanta's second in division like 6 games back, but the Mets are just treading on water, I think they maybe try to like they, they hold on to them and maybe try to buy a bat and make a push. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if the Mets are playing well, and Atlanta is just kind of matching them and then Phillies kind of in the mix still and then Washington gets hot again and overtakes them. Like if, if Atlanta's is fourth in the division, six games back, I think they definitely pull the plug. Trade Freeman, you know, trade, trade anybody they can, you know, obviously not like the young guys like Riley and Swanson, but and Albies. But you know, I think they look to trade maybe they, they maybe look to trade Charlie Moore and trade um trade Freddie Freeman, you know, trade some of these guys that aren't gonna be around too much longer and just get anything they can out of them. Because I'm sure even Freddie Freeman would probably could be a candidate return to return to them in free agency anyways. You don't have to trade him away. So certainly get something something out of him while you can, because a lot of teams would would like to have for I mean he would he would be pretty nice and for the Yankees. A nice lefty yeah. bat. He would he would he play pretty well in Yankee Stadium. So um if the Yankees are in it.
0: Yeah. And last thing on them they have missed Travis Darno this year. And I know that sounds very weird to say out loud, but <laughs> he was really good for them. He was really, yeah. really good for them.
1: He was a big piece, and that's you know, I mean, this is like it. it, it sucks to see, but like this is the Travis Darno that was on the Mets all these years. Like I was always yeah. like, how is this guy? Like, because he was always a good player on the Mets. He wasn't bad. Was healthy. It was just he could just couldn't stay healthy for the life of him. He couldn't stay healthy. Um, and then you know you see him go to Tampa Bay and now Atlanta, and you hit so well, and you're like like i know travis i could do this it's just he would never stay healthy but now he's staying healthy like how's he doing it now but of course now like i said he got like you said he got that big injury so now for parents the whole year so um yeah i think he's gonna come back at some point but even then you know it might be it might be too little too late
0: really quick on the phillies How do you come into the season with this as your bullpen and think you're going to be competitive? Because we always talk about this, the denial that these kind of teams that they're pretty good, they probably could make the playoffs and things right right for them, but they're not really a World Series contender. Why do these teams do this? Because the Phillies are going to tell you to your face we think we could win the National League East. But with that bullpen, you know that's not true.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had... The worst bullpen of all time last year. Of course, yes. it was a shortened season, but they had the 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 highest bullpen ERA ever in Major League Baseball history last season in the 2020 season. So we knew the bullpen was bad, and then they made moves to make the bullpen better, or they tried to, but really it didn't work. I mean, they brought in I think the the, the big three moves they made were Jose Alvarado, who has a four or five ERA and he he has flashes or he's very good and like unhittable at times, but then he also has moments where he just can't find the strike zone and he's, he's all over the place. They brought in Sam Coonrod from the giants 4.180 ERA. He hasn't been that great. And then they brought in Archie Bradley at a free agency and he's, he's been three, six, eight ERA, not awful, but like, you need like more than Liam, Hen- Liam Hendricks was out there. Like Liam Hendricks yeah. was a free agent. I said that last like in free agency I was like the Phillies I think they're going to make a push they know they got to get like the the offense is good enough the pitching's they got they got Aaron Nola they got Zach Wheeler they need another starter probably but like they need their bullpen arm and Liam Hendricks was there they could have signed Liam Hendricks and they didn't like obviously I don't know I'm sure they had contact with him but like you, like they should have done whatever they could to sign Liam Hendricks. I think that that would certainly would have been a big thing. And if Liam Hendricks is in this bullpen, it's a much different team. It's only one guy, but they definitely don't have as many blown saves as, as they do right now. If, if like, you know, like you said, they, they, they might break the record for blown saves in the season and we're at the all-star break. Um, and, and, you know, Liam Hendricks wouldn't have let that happen. He would have been good yeah. enough to kind of to fix this bullpen in a set, like enough to get wins.
0: If you had to pin the problem with Zach Wheeler on the Mets, that they weren't figuring out with him, because he's been outright dominant this year for the Phillies. If DeGrom wasn't a mutant, like I've said a few times about various guys, whether Otani, Vlad, if DeGrom's not a mutant or if he has a so-so second half, Wheeler's in the Cy Young discussion.
1: Yeah, he certainly is. I, I just think he was never really able to get into much of a rhythm with the Mets. He'd always have like little injuries um or you know just just little things here and there that kind of you know messed him up a little bit like because we've seen him be great for the Mets like he, he had a, yeah. a few great you know stretches with the Mets like I remember he had a couple second halves in a row that were like he was outright yeah. dominant I just think he probably got into a better rhythm with the Phillies you know there's always something going on with the Mets there's probably <laughs> something like whether a little a little a little you know knock here or there that kind of you know messed up his rhythm a little bit with the Mets because like he wasn't bad with the Mets it was just like he's never been this good like he was yeah. never this good with the Mets at least for like a long stretch of time um you know we're assuming when we're gonna see this the rest of the season for him as well and he was never like that for the Mets he had great stretches but never like this long and so I I, I like I said he wasn't bad with him, so I, I just think it was not he was never really able to get into much of a rhythm to be this productive over a long period of time
0: Moving along here, we're going to touch on the NL Central where the Brewers have made us both look good, but not for the reason we thought we, we would. Because coming into the season, we both said, I don't know what it is. I just don't trust in the Cardinals. We figured the Cubs were kind of going to be mediocre or bad, and the Pirates are obviously the Pirates. Milwaukee's been carried by their pitching, and they've kind of found it. I don't want to say out of nowhere, but more or less out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, a couple years ago, if you said – Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta would be three of the best pitchers in baseball, you would have been laughed at. But they've been yeah. genuinely three of the best pitchers in baseball this year. Um, they like they've they've been outright phenomenal. And like you said, they're they're carrying this team. Like they're getting just enough out of the, out of this offense, and the pitching is just out of this world. Even their bullpen, like Josh Hader is one of the best closers in baseball. Devin Williams, he isn't as dominant as he was last year when he went rookie of the year, but he's still been pretty good as a as a as a as a setup man. So um and like you said we we thought we thought the brewers were going to be good we thought the the offense would be a little bit better we thought christian yelich was going to be a lot better um but yeah i mean and the cubs made a run but you know, they they kind of turned out to be what we thought they were going to be and they you know they, they threw that no hitter the combined no hitter against the, the dodgers and they what lost 13 games in a row which is nope. incredibly hard to do um <laughs> so yeah kudos to us for for the brewers
0: even though we were for the wrong reason but yes it's it's weird because they've got decent names and like you said we expected more from Yelich. we don't know maybe this is just maybe those two years were just kind of perfect storm situation for him i don't think he's this bad i don't think he's 240 and you know 24 rbis in a first half but maybe he's just a good player not the mvp candidate he was for two years
1: yeah, because, I mean, he was never this bad in Miami. Like, yeah. o- always in Miami, he was, like, at least, like, a 280, 290 hitter. Like, he's never been this bad. He was always, you know, and then the last couple of years, like you said, in Milwaukee, he was kind of for batting titles. But, like, he's never been never been this bad. I mean, yeah, every every year in Miami, I'm looking at, his lowest batting average in Miami was 282. That was his last year, and he still had an 800 OPS. Like, he's, he's oh, he was always good in Miami. And then he came to Milwaukee, and then he was, like, downright great for those first two years. And in the last two years, he's been pretty, pretty mediocre. Um, like I said, I, I, he's not this bad, um, but maybe, maybe not as good. Maybe it's just like kind of evening out his production from his, his otherworldly first two seasons in Milwaukee.
0: It's very compelling that the NL central shook out like this, where one team is kind of just going to coast away with it because most people assume the reds were going to sell because they had pieces on expiring contracts. People thought the Cardinals would win this division. The Cardinals were the betting favorite, and the Cardinals look pretty much lost. I mean, they're pretty far out of it. I mean, they're sitting in fourth place. and No, third place. They passed the Cubs. That's right, because the Cubs went on the losing streak. But the Cubs had expect Not the Cubs. The Cardinals had expectations this year, and the Cubs are going to be sellers. It's weird how baseball shakes out like this sometimes, where someone's kind of win the division by default, and the Mets are kind of in that similar boat where everyone else has had a rough first half. Do you think the Cardinals can get into the mix here, or do you think Milwaukee just kind of coasts here down the second half?
1: They're, they're certainly not out of it, um, St. Louis. I mean, they are eight games back, but, like, they're better than the Cubs, and I think they're better than Cincinnati. So, like, if they can get, like, a good week or two stretch going and they, they get the second place in the in this division, like, anything can happen. Um so I don't think they're all out of it. And like they, I mean, they really need another starter because they their starting pitch has been ravaged by injuries. I think they've lost yeah. like four of their starters from the beginning of the year that are out with injury right now. Um Adam Waymarit's like the only guy I think that's healthy. Um, yeah. and that's that's not really good when he's like 38 and <laughs> the only healthy starter you have. Um I, I mean it's certainly gonna be a tough task to catch to catch up to Milwaukee, but like I said, this, this the lineup's talented. They get a good stretch where they they're they're hot for a week or two. And, you know, you're only a few games out with like a month or two left and, you know, anything can happen, you know, even if they don't win the division, they're certainly going to be able, I mean, actually the wild cards is going to be kind of tough because of how good the NL West has been, but still, like, yeah. I, I think, I still think they can make some noise. I don't think they're just going to, excuse me. I just think they're going to roll over. I think they're, they're, they're going to try. They're probably going to buy somebody, buy an arm, maybe, maybe like a Barrios, get a controllable arm. So even if they don't contend this year, they still have them for next year. Um but yeah, like I, I think they'll overtake the Cubs. I think they'll they'll be better than Cincinnati. And then it, at that point, it's just them, them and Milwaukee. And even though Milwaukee has a lead, since St. Louis, they have they have talented pieces, so I wouldn't count yeah. them out.
0: Still, kind of wish the Mets ended up with Wainwright as the fourth or fifth starter because he didn't cost St. Louis that much. And yes, Taiwan Walker's worked out, but we said it before when we were talking about the Mets. You can never ever have enough pitching. Ever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You- um. Alright, right. And now that we've kind of wrapped up, we, Chris mentioned it before. This is the best division in baseball, the NLS. The Giants kind of threw themselves in here out of nowhere, and we're going to talk about them in a minute. But I want to start here. Are the Padres the team with the highest ceiling in baseball, where if everybody in their lineup and their rotation is clicking, you can see them beating anyone? Or do you think it's still the Dodgers? Because I was having this discussion the other day, and I think it might be the Padres purely because they have so many guys who kind of can still tap into potential.
1: I I think so. Yeah, like I, the Dodgers, like obviously they've been this point. They got to this point, and Mookie and Bellinger haven't been like as good as we've seen them in the past. But then, like also on the Padres, like Blake Snell has been downright pretty bad this year. Chris Paddock hasn't been that good. Like Darvish has been good, but not, not what he was last, year. even though you can't complain what they've, you know, they can't complain what they've gotten out of you Darvish, but still not like Cy Young level. Um, Tatis has been great, but like you can expect more, I think a little more out of Machado, a little bit out of Eric Hosmer. I think you can expect more out of Tommy Pham and Will Myers. Like you definitely got more out of a lot of these guys last year than you're getting this year. Um, And so, you know, so they, you could certainly make that argument. Like I, I, I'm not gonna say you're wrong for making an argument. I think in my mind it's still probably the Dodgers because like Mookie and Bellinger have been pretty bad and like when they're on, they're they're incredible. But I, I like I can't I can't say that argument is wrong because the, the Padres they built this team to, to contend with the Dodgers and they did a good job of it. Like this roster is built very well and it's it's built in a similar fashion where they, they have talent just oozing from from this team so um i it's cer- certainly an argument you can make and i i don't want to say you,
0: you're wrong for making it i remember because when we went to the met padres game that saturday i was sitting there and i looked over at the line of like they're betting Jake cronenworth seventh Jake cronenworth yeah. would bet third on a lot of teams in baseball right now. I mean, yeah he's yeah. that good of a player and tatis is obviously going to be in that discussion for mvp he's close to the league lead in home runs i believe he's Fourth or fifth now because Otani and Vladi both kind of went crazy there before the All-Star break. You mentioned it. We're talking now the Dodgers. They've gotten next to nothing from Bellinger and Mookie in the first half of the season. Max Muncy, I, I thought Max Muncie was good. I didn't think Max Muncie was this good. He's been their best player in the first half of the season, like undisputed. Oh.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah. Max Muncie. if Max Muncy wasn't playing this well for this team, I don't know. Like they're still good. Cause they've gotten some like decent, like Justin Turner's been okay. And Chris Taylor's been okay. But like Max Muncy has been the star of this team without a doubt the first half of the season. Um, he's, he's been phenomenal. Like, like, you know, like you said, they're, they're nowhere near where they are right now. If Max Muncy isn't playing this well, considering guys like Mookie and Bellinger have really not given you a whole lot. Like you, you're just not getting anything out of, out of those two guys, bellinger mostly because he's been injured but even when he's healthy he's been he's been struggling like they've missed Corey seager for a large chunk of the season and like i said betts is like he's okay but nothing 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 like not what you expect not, of mookie red, sox. Exactly. not red sox exactly not even not even last year mookie betts like mookie betts was phenomenal last year for the dodgers and he just hasn't been that this year um be yeah, M- a max muncie is the star of this team right now he's the star of this team this year
0: do you worry about the dodgers pitching down the stretch here because the Bauer situation needs to be sorted out, and baseball hasn't really given an indication what's going to happen there. I know they just put Kershaw on the disabled list before the All Star break. Do you worry about the depth of that rotation here?
1: I mean, it's crazy to say. I do a little bit, but it's crazy to say because at the beginning of the year they had legit, <laughs> eight, they had legit eight guys that could have like that that would have made it into any other rotation in baseball, and then now you know, like you said, Bauer. He we don't know if he's ever gonna pitch again because of all his you know his off-the-field scandal where he was you know sexual assault or whatever he did. Um, you know, just scumbag things. They lost um they lost May. Dustin May. They lost Dustin May for the year. That's a big blow. You know, David Price, he's healthy, but he's not really been I mean he, he's been actually he's been okay. He's a 3 3 year, but a 1.6 whip. Like you, you can't get a lot out of him, like you said, Kershaw just went on the on the IL, like Walker Bueller has been great the last you know month or so. Julio Urias has been really good this year. You've gotten some decent production out of him. Um, you know gotten enough out of him. but yeah, I mean, it's it's a legit concern. like Tony is pretty good too, but like you you expected at the beginning of the year like Tony Gonzalez, He'd be a guy who's a long reliever and maybe a spot start here and then because he's good enough to start. But now you're looking at him as like maybe the third arm in this in this in this rotation for a little bit, and that's a little scarier. Like that's something you have to worry about a little bit more. And they think they're another team who probably gonna be looking for a big pitching upgrade. Um, and they they certainly have the pieces to to acquire it, but that's they they need to do something about that because the pitching depth somehow has been completely drained from this team
0: the excuse me when the Padres and Dodgers have played this season it's been appointment TV those games all of the games have been extremely competitive intense you can sense there's a little bit of animosity between these two teams they're shit talking they're showing back and forth there it's good for baseball when you have these interdivision rivalries and I know the Yankee Red Sox rivalry has cooled off Uh, the Cubs Cardinals has been on and off because neither of those teams has been that good, but there's a very realistic chance these two teams meet, and the winner of this series in the playoffs goes to the World Series. That That's the kind of series we could be looking forward to, and for baseball's sake, I hope we do get a best-of-seven between these two teams because it's going to be electric.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly will, and like you said, you can kind of tell like when these teams play each other, they're like... This is only one game in hundred sixty-two game season, but like every one of those games matters. Like, but all these teams, you kind of you get the feeling that like they're going all out. These guys are giving it everything to win this one night, win this one game, because this could end up being the difference between a division title and a wild card spot. And they need every win they can get. And they they kind of know like we're we're a top we feel like we're the top dog, but like this other like this team we're playing, like for you know, either whatever whatever side you want to look at it from, like they're right there behind us and we we have to get it done we have to to, to knock these guys down because if not they're good enough to overtake us so they like you said the, probably probably the two best teams in baseball i mean it's incredible what the, what the giants are doing talent wise they don't they don't match up with these two teams but they're winning games so um at, at this point you know you, you gotta tip your cap to them but yeah the, i mean the dodgers and the potters like you said Pointman tv they've been phenomenal every single one of their games is is just electric so a lot of fun to watch
0: the last subject for today's show: The San Francisco Giants are sitting in first place in a division that features the Padres and the Dodgers. They're doing it with the names you recognize: Buster Posey still there, Brandon Belt still there, Brandon Crawford's still there, Evan Longoria has been there a few years now, Mike Yastrzemski has been there a few years now. I don't, I don't want to say I don't get it because, like you know, these are all guys playing to more or less what they are, but. I still don't get it it it's not really the most logical outcome like you kind of figured buster posey was more or less done being the 330 batting title if the batting averages are low that kind of particular year kind of guy you kind of thought brandon crawford was done giving you the plus bat at 34 it's an old team and yastrzemski you know he had a pretty good 60 game season last year but No one saw this coming. Some people thought maybe the Giants hang around wild card type, but it's weird. And I feel like maybe it's just because I'm paying more attention to baseball this year, but it feels like there's more of these outlier teams that are performing above expectations than other years.
1: And I, I certainly agree with that. I mean, pretty much all of these guys in the Giants who are like playing, they're like, they're all having careers like, like Brandon Crawford, I don't think he's ever had a season over an 800 OPS and he has, he has yeah. a 982 right now. Like he's or 921, excuse me. Like that's, that's great. that That's incredible numbers right there. And then same with Buster Post. Like obviously he's been great in the past. He won an MVP before, but like, even then, like his numbers this year are better than pretty much any other point in his career. Like when he's playing, he's been great. You know we'll, they've gotten production of the guys. They, I mean, Wilmer Flores has nine home runs for him this year. Shout out Wilmer Flores. He's two fifty five, seven sixty one OPS. He's been pretty decent in two hundred at bats. Brandon Belt, like all these guys, are, are finding stuff. I mean, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Belt, eight seventy five OPS. Like that, like it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like these guys, like I said, it's just all these guys, these older players, they're having career years at at very old ages Longoria's been out for a little bit but age 35 892 OPS you know Posey what's Posey's 34 Crawford you said's 34 you know Belt Belt is, is 33 and then Longoria's like, 35 and all these guys are having career years it just doesn't make any sense and especially like not even like they've been good and they're just like turning to another level like they were bad for a yeah. number of years these guys like Crawford was and like an automatic out at the bottom of the order for a number of years even even last year he was awful like he wasn't good like he was a guy throwing in my FanDuel lineup because it was like he's hitting 220. He's extremely cheap and no one th- thinks to put him in your lineup. But like you hope he hits a home run and that's the difference, you know. But like now he's like he's a legit, he's a legit player. Like like I said, he has a 921 OPS. That is that's legit production from a guy who we haven't seen that from and really ever. We've never seen this kind of offensive production out of him.
0: And. The pitching's been excellent for them. I, I did not realize, like, I'm looking at it now on baseball. I didn't realize, aside from Gosman how good the rest of the rotation's been. I mean, if Johnny Cueto is your fifth best starter in the year 2021, that's not bad. That is not a bad rotation on paper. And the production's matched it. And when you look at the pitching, that probably tells a little bit more. But again, you didn't expect this from anyone in this rotation at all. gosman has been a fine pitcher. He's not a sub two ERA guy. The scoffity has been awesome for them. Alex Wood has been solid. It's, I don't know what Gabe Kapler's doing. And it's very weird that Gabe Kapler's yeah. manager of a good team because he was just an abomination in Philly. I, I don't get it.
1: I forgot he existed for a little bit. Yeah. And then like, I saw an article the other day and it was like, Gabe Kapler was criticized when he was hired, but now it's working out. And I was like, Holy crap. That's right. Like, I criticized them for, I was like, why in the world would the Giants hire Gabe Kapler? Like, what the hell is wrong with this team? Why would they do that? And I was like, but I was like, it's not going to matter. This is a team that was not playing well the last couple of years anyways. So, like, they're, they're going to be bad. They were going to be bad anyways. They hired a manager who's a bad manager. Who cares? Like, it's not going to mean anything. And then now all of a sudden, like you said, like, it just doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. It's like a team full of old guys who playing better than they ever have at any point in their career, and a manager who was, like you said, abysmal in Philly, and now they're the best team in baseball, like at least on, pay- like on, on record-wise, they're the best team in baseball. It just doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever.
0: Baseball's weird like that, and it's going to be a very exciting stretch run. Like I said during the introduction and when we first started talking, baseball got a little bit more juice this year, something about all these young guys coming up at the same time. There's a few teams that are kind of in that upper tier of contender. I, The thing is, in the National League, I still don't really believe in the Giants. I think the Mets are probably a tier below the Dodgers and the Padres. Nobody in the Central. And then in the American League, it kind of seems like just the White Sox and the Astros. Is there anyone you think can kind of get themselves into that top tier of contender before I get you out of here?
1: Uh, I think... Toronto certainly has the offense, so if they make a big splash for a pitcher, they can certainly get themselves up there. If the Mets find out how to hit the ball, like, they have all the pieces in place. They just got to put them together. Um, you know, really, I mean, really anybody in this, and at they just, like, they all have, like, really glaring issues that are holding them down. So if they just find, like, figure out and find a solution to these, like, big, like, one big hole they have, I think they can they can kind of put things together and really, really make a run at the postseason um and in milwaukee it's probably just like figure out what's going on with with christian yelich because like like you said the pitching has been phenomenal the the rest of the team isn't bad but if christian yelich is hitting 330 or a thousand ops like this team is much much better um they might have the best record in in baseball right now if he's doing that and he hasn't been and they're still they're still right up there with the best teams in in the in the national league so there's there's a number of teams i think can really make that jump but they work needs to be done Work certainly needs to be done.
0: Okay, the last question before I get you out of here: Will the Mets win the NL East? Um, at this point, I'm gonna
1: say yes. Okay. I, I wasn't I wasn't on board with it at any point. In the Beginning of the season, I thought it was the Braves division to lose, but I think the the rest of these teams have too many problems, and I don't know if if they they they're going to be able to fix them in time and I think the Mets although they have problems their problems aren't as big as these other teams and I think the Mets problems are easier to fix than these other teams so I think um, already having a three and a half game cushion over second place Philly I think the Mets get it done I think they win I think they win the division
0: I agree with you I think The Braves losing Acuna is just devastating because the Braves – Acuna is not a replaceable player. He's one of the five, ten best players in the entire sport. That's not some production you can just go and replace on the market. It's not like losing a rotational guy or an extra guy. And the Phillies, I just don't trust them. The, The Phillies have been this for a while now where the lineup is pretty good, the rotation is okay, and the bullpen is just horrendous. And the Mets, like we said when we talked about them in that segment, the talent is here. It's just a matter of getting the talent to play, not even to their level, just better than they are right now. If you can get Conforto hitting 230 or 240 as opposed to 200, if you can get Dom Smith getting those screaming liners down the first baseline in play as opposed to in the first baseman's glove, if you can continue to get the production out of these bench guys, whether it's VR, whether it's PR – Whether it's Peraza, who's the king of the late-inning hit. You're expecting to get J.D. Davis back at some point in the next few weeks. Carrasco is supposed to make a rehab start relatively soon. You can see it shaping up. And there's the whole, the Mets might actually be able to make an addition at the trade deadline and not gut the entire farm system because the general manager has a clue. I'll say of I'll say of the teams in that middle tier who are looking to get to that tier with the Dodgers and the Padres, I think the path is the most straightforward for the Mets. I think of everybody, that includes the Yankees, the Jays, everybody. I think the Mets have the the easiest path or most simple path to getting to that tier because they have the pieces in-house. It's just yeah. a matter of getting them to play well.
1: I think, yeah, I think it'll – like everybody has to make an addition, and I think the Mets have to make the – like. They they, make, they they don't have to make as big of an addition as everybody else to get to that point. They, okay. they, their path to contention is a lot less than everybody else's. I, I, I think I, I, I can agree with that.
0: Well, I'd like to thank Chris for stopping by. If you enjoyed Chris and I's conversation, you should check out Chris's show, The Sports Report with Chris Schweitzer. It's available on all the major podcasting platforms you can subscribe to his podcast on Apple podcasts and you could leave it a review like you do for this show because leaving reviews for your content creators, it helps us out a lot. We put a lot of work into making our shows, a lot of research to pull this together and it's nice to get feedback. Feedback helps as a yes, content creator. Certainly.
1: Certainly. Well, thank you for having me on. I very much appreciate it. It was always fun coming on here. I had you on uh, last week talking about hockey. So I know Fans of your show probably like hearing about hockey more. I'm not the most knowledgeable, but that's why I brought you on. So if you want to hear about Nick talking about the hockey, me and Nick talking about the hockey playoffs, go listen to my show. Like you said, Sports with Christopher Schweitzer. It's on all all podcasting platforms. So go find it. We did a pretty much a really good breakdown of the whole the whole NHL postseason, um, and stuck in a little baseball talk as well. So I just want to say thank you for having me on. It was a great time. I appreciate it. What day of the week does the podcast usually drop in format? for mine uh usually i record it on wednesdays usually goes up on either thursdays or fridays so um gotcha. if you follow me on twitter at hr sports hrr sports Support, i usually post when the podcast go live but again usually usually thursday or friday they go up so um yeah that's when you can find it
0: thank you for coming on chris i will see you guys next week ramping up production schedule back to daily lots and lots to talk about probably by then some more crazy shit will have happened in hockey or the finals will be over and we'll have basketball to talk about there's always something to talk about i'll see you guys then have a good weekend